You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week eight of Sacred Rhythms on the topic of fellowship. Sounds like some good discussions going on. We got we got a little loud in ours in the back. Sorry, <laughs> some fun, some fun jokes. But um, yes, it's a wonderful gift that God gave us to be able to write down our thoughts or provide, give Him our emotions in a form of lament. So I'm glad that we had this discussion, this this homework this week. So. Now we're heading into a new, we're going into fellowship um, for the next three weeks, this week and the next two. So what comes to your mind? Let's start with community. What comes to your mind when you think of the word community? Closeness. Closeness. Support. Support. We're talking ideal community, right? (laughs) Anything else? Food. <laughs> Food and fellowship, right? Isn't that a phrase? Yes. Community. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, that's a good point. Each of them are good. Okay, communities are often formed around shared interests or passions, sometimes uh, values, religious values, or Sometimes it's geography. You know, we live in a community. So we're going to delve a bit deeper into what this means through the lens of Scripture because sometimes community and fellowship have been used interchangeably. So the word translated fellowship in the New Testament Greek is koinonia. You heard that word before. Probably a lot of you have. So that means participation, sharing in, communion, a relationship in the spirit, intimacy. So we began these rhythms talking about God's invitation as he reveals himself through the word for us to have a more intimate or communal relationship with him. And then through prayer as we respond also to have that intimate relationship with him. So now we're moving into fellowship not only with him but with the greater family of of God the community of his family, where we share a common faith, common love of Jesus at the center, common love for one another, hopefully, um, a common mission to share. So this commonness offers the deepest level of communication, not just conversing on a superficial level. And I think a lot of our tables have gotten past that. And when we share more from our hearts, spirit to spirit, heart to heart, So, and the email from Christy compiles the points we've learned individually and we share them collectively. And that is a picture of fellowship. But before we move forward, we'll go back to the roots where God's idea for communing and fellowship began. So in Genesis, we have the first record of time in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. But does this beg the question for any of you, you, what existed before creation? Because we know God is eternal. 
He has no beginning. He has no end. So he works within the framework of time, and he intervenes, but he's not limited to or dependent upon time at all. That's his eternality. Before the mountains were born, <clears throat> you're working from over there. Cool. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. So then, what was God doing in eternity past, like forever? It's a bit mind-stretching. So though we worship one God, one of his names is Elohim, which is plural, because it refers to this, this mystery or uncreated God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a oneness of essence, thought, purpose, and mission there's a mutual love and deference, deferring to one another, glorifying one another, that they share in this, this Godhead. Um, so God is not only eternal, he's also perfect. So when I say perfect, I mean, yes, he is without flaw, without anything that would come against his perfection. But also, he doesn't need anything. He is whole and complete within himself. Perfect. There's no need outside of him. So <clears throat> within this perfection of oneness and love, he didn't need us, so why would he create us? So my husband Don shared with me, he had gone to, on a mission trip to the underground church in China and asked this question, what was God doing before creation? And this older man, a peasant farmer, stood up and very passionately said, Our God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Because they recognized, he recognized this love between us must be shared. So it's open, he opened his arms and created this world so that he could share his love because it was boundless and free. So there's quite insight to this farmer. He was, he was poor in material wealth, but very rich in insight. So though we don't understand a lot about our infinite God, we do know the purest form of love does require expression and must be shared. So God opened his arms of love to create us, drew us into this fellowship, and despite all the things that make us different and unique, the need to be known and loved and to share love is universal. We were made for communication, for love, and for community. So the combination of these things brings us closer to our understanding of fellowship. Love begins with God. Love is defined by him. We wouldn't know pure love outside of him. In fact, this is how we are known to be Christ followers. And people see our love for one another, his love to us and through us, when we also open our arms and share his love. So God purposely created us for a relationship, relationship with him and relationship with others. He knew Adam and Eve. Adam shouldn't be alone, so he created another one in his image, Eve. And male and female are both created in the image of God. And the fullness comes 
even in the combination, man and woman, of community, when we all bring together the expression of God in together. So, <clears throat> unfortunately, we, we know that God in his fullness, completeness, perfection, fellowshiped with Adam and Eve at a deeper, richer level until they chose to listen to a different voice than God's and made the choice to follow that one. And that's when the fellowship was broken. They fell into the trap of thinking their thoughts were somehow better than God's. Very independent thinking that way. So unfortunately we see even in the first family, sharing together in community does not always mean the same as fellowship. Because what's the first family? We see jealousy, anger, we see murder. So <clears throat> definitely not words you would use in relation to fellowship. So we can live in community, share together on a superficial level, and yet sadly not experience koinonia, that deeper sharing, heart to heart and spirit to spirit. So sin is produced when we no longer yield to God's ways, but become independent, shall I say, self-focused, in our own thinking and actions. And this causes breakdowns in fellowship. This sin is a universal issue, Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. It's also pointed out um, in James 3.16 when things are out of God's perfect order, when we set our own course. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. <clears throat> so in contrast, when we as his people join together with our hearts focused on God at and as the center, and us surrounding him, we fulfill the essence of true fellowship because we're demonstrating our love for God and we live in humility and defer to one another. We read about that earlier. So this is the order of the greatest commandment. Love God, their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as we love ourselves. This was given to our hearts to protect our hearts from the destruction that comes with idolatry. It's also a key to our spiritual vitality to follow this command. And it provides order and a foundation for community, loving God first and loving others. <clears throat> Jesus called his disciples out, set them apart, and created community or fellowship with himself at the center. This established the right place for fellowship to grow. Think about this diverse group of disciples. So there was a zealot who wanted to take down the Roman government. There was a tax collector who was hired by the Romans. There was this group of unschooled fishermen, some sons of thunder. Just think about the drama that that presents. <laughs> and then, of course, Peter, who was drama in and of himself. And Jesus specifically chose each one, designed each one, and chose each one. Called them to himself, not a cause, not a religious order, to himself. And so he calls us today to a body, his body, a living organism, 
not an organization. So when I say his body, I'm referring to redeemers, those redeemed in the family of God. We can recognize and appreciate the various gifts, unique personalities, expressions of God woven into each member of this community, just like a physical body, the parts working together for the whole. So thankfully, we're called to unity and not uniformity, because who would decide what that looks like, right? And how boring would that be anyway? I wonder if it's possible to experience true unity if we're not individually focusing on God at the center and joining his mission of sharing his love with others. It's hard to imagine, because I picture us individually standing, surrounding God, with him at the center, focusing on him, his mission, and sharing his passion. We're standing shoulder to shoulder. Otherwise, when we focus on our own way, or our neighbor's way, then we encounter comparison and competition and division, the opposite of fellowship and unity. This is the place where fellowship thrives, not of dependence on others for our own personal growth, not of independence where we're just forming our own path and not including others, but of interdependence, where the interlocking in a healthy body, the parts working together for the benefit of the whole. So we as his body can experience the fullness of Christ as we respond to the invitation of the Godhead to connect deeply with those created to image him. So as we're joined to him in fellowship, we are also automatically joined to his spirit within others in his body. So when a man and woman marry, we're now joined to one another's family, called our extended family, <laughs> a family that protects one another's interests, ideally, serves one another, and generously provides for one another's needs. We share God's name, his joy, his mission, his heart. So I'm using these words interchangeably, his body, his family, his community of faith. Jesus also refers to us as his tabernacle and his bride. These descriptions reveal the unity of heart and purpose that our God desires for us as his people. So 1 Corinthians, those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who's called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're joined in fellowship to him and to all others called by him. As a family, we reflect the qualities found in the nature of Jesus, presented in Philippians 2, 1 to 4. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, fellowship of the Spirit, affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility, this is the deferring, consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. This sounds beyond our reach, doesn't it? It doesn't come naturally to us. 
Naturally, we want to self-protect or self-promote. This kind of flies in the face of all of that. So fellowship doesn't, isn't a natural thing outside of God intervening and helping us. Jesus doesn't call us to something he himself would not do or empower us to do. So he gave us his example, which we read earlier um, about him becoming a servant and offering his life in obedience. And he also gave us the Holy Spirit to empower and maintain us in fellowship. In 1 Corinthians 12, there's several verses I'll read quickly. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. One in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. In one Spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, bond or free, we're all made to drink of one spirit. There's that oneness. What it unites us far exceeds what divides us. We do have a spiritual bond found in the heart of God himself. I found this to be true. I went to India with, um, with my family on a mission trip, and we were sitting among tribal pastors who had come from remote villages and all. We were joined together <clears throat> for teaching and and prayer and uh, worship and I'm sitting there thinking how do we communicate we spoke different languages our backgrounds and cultures were differently oceans apart we looked differently dressed differently ate different food but when it came time for singing songs of worship I saw the unfeigned love for God in their faces and I heard the passion of their hearts and although I didn't understand the words they were singing until they came to this word, hallelujah, it is universal, so is amen. And so I could join with them, hallelujah, we were praising God. One, so diverse, and yet one in heart and spirit. And this, this has made a mark on my life. Just This is what I picture heaven to be like people of tribes and tongues and nations, all different, and yet worshiping God at the center and deferring to one another and joining with his, his love relationship in this fellowship of the saints. <clears throat> so it is human nature to look for others like us in appearance or style or age or shared values, right? And I said this is how we often form communities because it helps us feel secure to be with those like us. But what if we looked for the life of Jesus expressed in one another, the image of God and not just our own preferences? What if we had those eyes to see spiritually? I mentioned the illustration of marriage relationship. We can't choose our extended family, can we? Some are quite lovable and therefore easy to love. But what about the ones who are not so much? 1 Thessalonians 3.12 provides us. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and everyone else. This love that's mentioned is not a love that comes naturally to us. We can't manufacture it. It comes from outside of ourselves. It's the divinely demonstrated sacrificial agape, love of God. So we are prompted to ask him to make 
his love in us increase? Because we're just, we just can't do it in a, of ourselves, can we? And the following verse, I just wanted to tuck in real quick. It also aligns to our discussions about um, our sanctification and holiness process. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes when, with his holy ones. Fellowship is part of that holiness and sanctification process, too. I can attest to the marriage relationship and raising kids being opportunities for God to show me my sinfulness and self-focus and using that to make me more like Jesus. Because in and of myself, and Christy mentioned this too, you know, how you, you have this time with God and then you go downstairs and your kids are bickering at each other and you're, you know, all kinds of stuff falls apart, you know, and you're like, wow, I just had this great time with God and now, now what? What comes out, right? It's, um, we can be assured that this is how God is using, God is using these things as we release them to him. It's like, okay, God, I really blew that one. We go to him in prayer, and we take that revelation, and we just know that this is how God is, is weaving his sanctification process through it. It is in community. It's not solo. So we are told to speak the truth to one another in love. We often see this in a corrective sense, like, right? Like, I need to tell her what I really see or whatever, but... I propose um, if we don't have the love of God in our hearts for them, not just to vent, but to benefit them in redemptive and life-giving ways. Remember that? That was part of disciple, discipline. Then ask the Lord to give us his heart of love for them. Because if we're going to speak truth without love, it's not really truth. It's kind of a venting thing. But when we speak the truth as he has revealed it to us, and we have his love as the vehicle of delivery. That is what he's looking for. We can also build up one another in affirming ways, not just corrective. So I had heard of this teaching years ago, Notice, Name, and Nurture, based on this verse. Offer fresh words that build others up when they need it most. That way, your good words will communicate grace to those who hear them. Ephesians 4.29. So notice, we know everyone has something to offer. Everyone in the body has been gifted. They've been wired a certain way. And everyone has something that we need to receive from one another. That is what community is. We don't, none of us have it all together. Um, so therefore, a daily rhythm of fellowship would be to ask God for his eyes to see others as he does. We touched upon this when we talked about the Lord's Prayer. So we can partner with God and ask him to open our eyes to look for a quality or a gift of grace that we see in another. Many are unaware of why they may feel prompted to respond to situations as they do. Maybe someone has a very strong mercy gift and they feel very passionately about doing something and they don't realize it's because they have a strong mercy gift. Um, and so if we notice that, we can, we can ask the Lord, oh, is that what this is in this person? Because the, the person may be like, well, doesn't everybody feel this way? What's so special about that? Or 
maybe why don't others feel the same way? Why aren't they as passionate as me? Um, so if we notice it, we can, we can discern that, and then we can name it to them. And they may be like, oh, is that what that is? I thought I was just subject to crying or just like whatever. No, that there is this gift of God. It's a gift given by God for them to use, for each of us to use in a way that brings, equips others, brings grace to others, and, um, and is a way of worshiping God and displaying his nature. So then we can also nurture it. So we, as part of the body, get to be part of the growth in one another through prayer, sharing what we see, helping others find ways to develop or use the gifting of God within them. These are ways we can champion one another, build each other up, and demonstrate this agape love of God and grow in our own sanctification through this fellowship he provides. So we shared how you can read God's word and respond through prayer. So now we're going to add another one. Read it, pray it, share it. Because when we share what God has been teaching us, we are also building up those connections with one another. And another could be like, oh, is that what that word, is that what that verse is saying? Or we, can, we each can bring in another aspect of the, of the beauty of God. So this is dependence upon God, vertical, and interdependence with others in fellowship. This is communing with him and others in a beautiful circle of agape love, just like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We get to be part of that. As we look at one another as a significant part of the whole, each of us gets to be a catalyst to stir up and stimulate one another to love and to grow in faith. So Ephesians 4, 15, and 16. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So now we get to practice this. <laughs> Um, we have some handouts on the table. I'd like you to read over them. So these are actual scriptures. We've been, we've been praying the Psalms back. We've been praying other ways. So these are specific prayers that Paul has in his epistles. So I'd like you to look at them and choose a prayer that you would like someone to pray for you. Because we know, I know there are times I don't know how to pray for another person. And I'm asking God, please reveal to me how I can pray for this individual. But right here, we know when we're praying the word of God, we are praying the will of God. <laughs> so we are in alignment with God for one another. This is how we can build up one another. So the type of requests he makes, the focus is the sanctification of others ways that others can grow in their relationship with God. And we get to be part of that process. And then 
as you as you pray this over them you can as the spirit leads you can add to it or whatever but don't feel like you need to you can just read this prayer this is a blessing we are we are honestly blessing one another with the very word and truth of god 